Hi everyone, Data Stories number 31, the first episode in 2014. Hi Moritz, how are you? Hey Enrico, splendid. How are <laughs> splendid. You? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fantastico. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had long vacations and I feel really refreshed. Oh. So I was a bit down at the end of 2013. It was a long year for me, lots of work. Don't tell me I'm jealous. And now I, I tweeted already, everything feels much snappier now. Of course. It's always like that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, good, good. How are you? I'm good. I didn't take too much rest, but. I'm good. I'm good. I've been working a bit. I had some stuff to finish. And uh, yeah, I'm still in my office doing my <laughs> my job. But I, I hope to get a kind of like one week off next week. So let's see. Hopefully before cool. the semester Sounds starts. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 2014 uh, is going to be another all year for data stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. So one thing yeah. we discussed, me and Moritz, if you're listening to that, is that for 2014, nothing is going to change. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So what, what we want to change a little bit, we would like to get... <laughs> no, it's, it's actually true. We are not going to change anything special, but it would be nice to increase the engagement from our listeners. We don't know who you are, what you want. And uh, we realized that there's not enough uh, connection between us and you. So two things. Um, yeah, at the end of each episode, you can always uh, comment on that on our blog, datastory.es. Uh, we have a Twitter channel that is Data Stories, and we also have a Facebook channel, right? Moritz, you're mostly taking care of Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We have a Facebook page, we have a Google Plus page. Uh, so if you are more into Facebook, book into more into google plus or whatever just go there and uh, feel free to ask questions so if there is anything you want us to discuss during the show this can be just a simple question we answer at the beginning or even suggesting a whole episode or a specific person you would like to see on the show just try to connect with us we would be happy to to hear more from you okay don't be shy you can also send us an email if you don't want to make it public. Send us directly an email. You can even insult us. You can even send bad words and <laughs> whatever. Or a passenger pigeon. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so let's see how this works. Um, so since this is the first episode of the new year, we have the tradition of going back through the past year, right? And see what are the main highlights. And for doing that, we have two old friends. <laughs> of data stories we have andy kirk from visualizing data i'm already laughing i don't know why hi andy <laughs> hi Enrico. it's your old friend andy <laughs> do you laugh because of old or because of friends <laughs> i'm not sure hello guys how are you doing <laughs> good good yeah great to have you don't andy. fall from your chair from your chair this I'll time try okay <laughs> you'll try and hello robert and we have robert cosara hi eager eyes hi robert hello how many how many we are, are doing, doing great. We are doing great. Um, so we will try to go through the old uh, 2013, trying to see what were the highlights. And Andy and Roberts will help us doing that. We have a full list of stuff we want to talk about. I don't know if we will manage to go through the old list. Um, let's just start, right? Um, who wants to start? Andy, you want to start with something? Highlights? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was a great year, it was 2013. There's, 
as you know, each month I do a kind of roundup of the uh, best of the previous month, and it, it was a great year. I felt it was generally a little bit quieter relative to the kind of ongoing growth of the field. Uh, mainly, I think, because we didn't have those big landmark events like we had the previous year with the Olympics and major elections. You know, the, the 2013, there was nothing really of that magnitude. So maybe some of the public work that was there in the past was not so so visible, but certainly the direction of travel is still very positive. Um, I mean, the first project that I think is on most of our radars at the start of last year was um, the work around the, the guns project, the guns murders in the US by Periscopic, which was which was a great project, very much self-initiated uh, in response to the, um, it was December I think, wasn't it, the, the disaster. So this was a great start to the year and a trend of these I guess what you might describe as emotional visualisation projects, and it's something that Robert's picked up in his roundup of the year as well. And it it really tried to find a new way to connect with people on highly emotive subject matter. Um, and the the style, the tone of voice was very very powerful. But the story that underlied it was this sense of shock and magnitude of all these gun murders. Uh, and it, it seemed to capture the, not the imagination in a positive sense, but certainly the the, the amount of uh, discussion points and the amount of uh, the amount of conversations that this emerged, that kind of triggered. Shut, sorry, about the the patterns that the the filters enabled in the tool. So it was a truly exploratory visualization. I think it showed its the, the field at its best, really. So Andy, just in case someone is listening to the episode and doesn't know what this visualization is about, can you briefly mm. describe it? And I mean, it, it it began as an animated piece. So each person who was killed was illustrated as a kind of a single life arc. And when their life was extinguished, the kind of the little dot that was being traced dropped the x-axis. And then their projected life was continued. They'd used various... Kind of data sets to kind of project people's potential life that had been stolen, and that was the, the focus, the stolen years. And then as the animation built up, the speed, because it kind of introduces you, it kind of coaches you into looking, into learning how to look and read what's about to emerge, and this kind of build-up of lines and lines month by month, it's kind of shocking really, you know, how it um, runs through the 12-month period. And then when the animation's finished, you can take control, grab the mouse, and do different filters and kind of explorations, but also see that these lines are actually real people. You hover over it, you see a little kind of pop-up with a detail about that person's demographic, and it's it really kind of lifts it off the pages, you know, this is real people, not just stats or data points. So do you think this is more of a general trend you've been...? I think it's a trend in the sense that it, it has clearly inspired other works. I mean, we'll probably discuss some of the other projects. I mean, certainly the, the work by... Um, Wes Grubbs at Pitch Interactive around the drone strikes was something that was um, that he actually acknowledged was uh, inspired or influenced in some ways by the uh, the gun murders project. So you know it's something that I think will will be seen as a bit of a, a bit of a landmark project in terms of the approach and the kind of style that it, it took. Well, I absolutely agree. Like the human side of data, on the one hand, I think that's something that kept us all thinking over the whole year. Um, but also the storytelling techniques and, and all these um, 
new ways of bridging interactive open experiences with a more guided uh, storytelling approach. Um, I think these are all things that, that really, for many people, played a big role this year. Or Robert, how do you see it? You're the storytelling expert here. <laughs> well, one, one thing I thought was really interesting is that the Huffington Post did a similar project, or not a similar project, but it did a, they did a project that was about the same data, which was the gun murders in the U.S., And that was a map that kind of started in Newtown, Connecticut, where this this uh, school shooting had been in the at the end of 2012, and then zoomed out from there to show where all the other places where where these things were happening, and that was also interesting because it was so much more. Uh, to me, it was more emotive, or maybe uh, a bit more kind of less journalistic in a sense than it would have otherwise been. So I thought that that might have been an, an influence from the, the Paris Copy mm -hmm. project. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, I, uh, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping and I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see more of that kind of thing and, and see, see more kind of opinionated pieces where you have a stronger message behind uh, the data and not just trying to show the data like you do in journalism. But really, be more more upfront about what you're trying to say, and and also more visceral and more, you know, kind of in yeah, your face, yeah. perhaps. But I think in a, in a good and way. And I, I think that applies also for for simple graphics, right? So it's more an, a certain stance you take as a publisher or as an editor, not let's say to hide yourself behind the the data and say I'm just plotting the data. My job is done here. But to take position, really, I think that's uh, that's happened for sure. Yeah. So are we, in a sense, trying to move away from this kind of feeling of objective truth that data is always surrounded about? I mean, yeah, I think in general the the journalistic side of what we do has has become much more, let's say, important, but also much more refined. And I think the journalists are catching up tremendously with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also, and also, we are sort of starting to think much more and more of me at least maybe just personally like a journalist maybe maybe that's the thing yeah. so what are some other great pieces from from the storytelling point of view that you've seen in 2013 i mean I, it, it's it's hard to look beyond the influence of snowfall which was Specifically at the end of 2012, I think, uh, in, in terms of its release, but I think it was up to like the 28th of December, so we can we can still include it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this you know, it's had a great impact. And once again, that I don't think that was by any means the the first long form digital journalism piece. I know for a fact there were other um, for the Wall Street Journal before that, but once again, it had such a uh, such an effect in terms of being cascaded around social media and around the web and. It has, you know, spawned a lot of, um, in some respects, imitations, um, but also some other standout pieces that, in their own right, are, are fantastic pieces of, <clears throat> of this kind of long-form digital journalism that, you know, really draws you in. It's, you know, it's the multimedia experience. Um, you know, a lot of kind of parallax, parallax scrolling features, embedded uh, movies that don't even need playing. They're just kicking the minute you reach that part of the screen. Um, So that was definitely a, a major trend throughout to 2013, and I can only see it continuing throughout this year, really. But it just it, once again, it reinforced the the power and the the appetite for storytelling in journalism, but also something we can learn in, in visualization. Um, uh, and, and I guess the other standout project around 
storytelling that was very much a, a popular piece was a, a YouTube video by actually quite a, an elusive author. I don't think anyone's really understood who created this piece, but it was about the um, the inequal, wealth inequality. Um, and it was just a very simple, um, a simple kind of uh, videographic. And I think the, the narration that goes with it added a lot of value to the to the kind of uh, the storytelling factor. But it just it just nailed it. You know, this is sto- what storytelling <laughs> is, and I don't think anyone could ever really say a bad thing about it. It would just be, would be great for the person who created it to to come out of the shadows and you know, reveal themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Stephen Few. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and then writing a piece, a piece against himself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That would be fun. But I think we saw a lot of great stuff really from, from, from news outlets and newspapers. Um, New York Times obviously still doing fantastic stuff. I think Mike Bostock also really proved he, he, can, he can do great um Beyond writing great frameworks, also do great data visualizations, mm-hmm. and all his colleagues. A- any other notes, uh, noteworthy trends in the in the newspaper area? Well, so I, I think the uh, the whole snowfall thing is is obviously a good kind of innovation, but I'm also a bit worried that it gets distracting and that that sometimes it's just too much. But there have been some things that were a bit more subtle, like there was one. This was again the New York Times. They had one a story, uh, which is like a travel story from, I think, Saint Petersburg to Moscow. And the and as you were reading, and there it was like a long scrolling thing, but there was a piece on the side that would stay there, which mm-hmm. was a map, and it would essentially work like a scroll bar or like right. a progress bar. So as you were scrolling, it would kind of show you where you mm-hmm. were along mm-hmm. that that journey. And I thought that was actually really good. That was a very simple but very effective was that the way of Silk, Silk Road that. project. And it wasn't. Yeah. Yes, yes, I think that's one. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. I also think that there's a bit more. So I'm, I'm, like many other people, I know mostly the things that the New York Times does, and the Guardian, and the Washington Post, and maybe a few others. But there are actually a lot of of newspapers out there, and news media out there that do a lot of interesting work. That's just harder, and it's not as as visible as as some of the other work. So there, I was in uh, Portland over the holidays, and there was a piece there in the in a newspaper, the Oregonian, that that I actually liked. I used this the image in my in my uh, state of infovis posting. That it's a very simple scatter plot, but it actually tells a really interesting story. And and I was actually surprised to find you know a paper that isn't the New York <laughs> Times or the Washington Post using uh, a scatter plot on. Uh, not the front page, but on, on one of the, the, the front pages of one of the sections. So that was quite interesting to see that. And so I think there's a lot more of that happening now that's kind of spreading from those few high-profile places into lots of other places. Yeah, yeah. And Andy has done a really good job also of tracking some of the people who have been moving around from the New York Times to other <laughs> places or you know, in, in just different yeah. ways. And there's some interesting movements going on there. And I think those are also helping... Uh, spread knowledge yeah, and spread the ideas the skills, that, that yeah. are floating around there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, I have a more Eurocentric perspective, of course. <laughs> but uh, last year, <laughs> I think Die Zeit in Germany did some really nice things. And they're, I think they're still even collecting momentum. Yeah. And also, of course, uh, Neue Zürcher Zeitung, NZZ. Oh, they had a, uh, they had a few they fa- have a, fantastic pieces with 
with right. maps and, and it's been an maps. ongoing collaboration with Interactive Things and a few of these were really, really fine pieces and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to what comes in 2014. Mm. And I think on the, um, on the other side of that, from the UK's perspective, I guess The Guardian's always been the flagship newspaper around data journalism, digitalization sure. to a certain extent, but um, the departure of Simon Rogers and Alistair Dant and um, I think Michael Robinson, the former head of graphics there, uh, is no longer working there. It, it feels like the, new, the, the Guardian sorry, is, is actually much quieter now. It doesn't feel as, as much of, yep. a, of, a, yep. of a force as it did maybe 12 months ago. Um, uh, and filling that void for next year, I mean, we'll discuss next year shortly, but there's been a few appointments uh, for Nate Silver's new project at ESPN, which could be a, you know, a, a new interesting uh, uh, kind of uh, place for seeing some good developments in 2014. But that's for later, of course. And they, they have been, I think they've been hiring for, for data visualization experts. That's right? right, yeah. Robert, I think you had a tweet some time ago about that. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, so that, that is one thing. He's, he's hiring people to do analysis and to do visualization. But also the New York Times is essentially, because he was, so Nate Silver had this 538 posting, or a blog, I would say, uh, this, this website uh, that then went to the New York Times, but now he's moving on to ESPN. But the, the, the void he's leaving in the, at the New York Times is being filled by mm. people at the New York Times. So they're starting off a, a little group, and I forget who else is in there, but I know that Amanda Cox is one of the people there. So there should be some really interesting work coming out of that once that's spun up and, and running. And I, I'm assuming they're going to be mostly... I don't know, but I, I'm assuming they're certainly going to be doing interesting work around the elections uh, in the U.S. this year, but, uh, which are kind of minor ele elections, mm. but still... And I don't know what else they're they're up to, but that's it. Seems it looks like an interesting group of people from that posting I saw a while ago. But uh, that's I think something to watch. And hopefully, it'll help raise the New York Times profile because it's because <laughs> it's lacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's Instead been a general trend people. that more and more institutions. Also, I'm in touch with. They create these dedicated data visualization jobs or data editor jobs or things mm. like that. And I think all of that is part of data visualization arriving and sort of yeah, yeah there know, are becoming like a, you know out there right yeah i mean it's, <laughs> it's the same struggle everybody has like how do you explain your mom what you're doing <laughs> and then you come up with funky <laughs> job titles you know how do you call yourself i, I heard some people do that i still know? just say chef it's just easier <laughs> <laughs> data data chef data chef <laughs> but chef, i think that's also data. interesting you know looking beyond um newspapers and, and, uh, and institutions I think in businesses I think it's just starting to to get that little bit of momentum going as well I think there's just anecdotally from the people I've I've kind of interacted with on on my kind of training workshops and consultancy projects there are now starting to be deliberate attempts to organize analysts who were perhaps previously fragmented around organizations into something more of a dedicated unit and I think actually data science at the moment is probably the badge that they're using more specifically than Right. but certainly the, the the kind of consciousness and the awareness of this field is is definitely penetrating into into those worlds i would say so what is your perception of how visualization has been has changed in the area of of business i, I think you are more in contact with these people right andy yeah i mean obviously a lot of it's so, kind of off the radar because it, it is commercially sensitive often and and you kind of oh, have yeah, to sure, sure. get beyond the doors to 
to learn. But what I find from a from a market perspective is that they're still or they're currently looking more towards self sufficiency. They're looking to be helped, coached, guided, trained in into how to optimize the stuff they've already got. More so than look out, look outside for outsourcing of projects with agencies or studios. Um, I'm sure that will come in time. But that also means they see a long, a long uh, exa- perspective exactly. there. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's. I think that's the, the the good part. Like maybe two years ago, everybody was excited, but didn't know. Maybe it goes away. Yeah, passing you know? And I think now it's much more like, okay, it, it will not go away. We we have to. And I think also, have to deal you with know, as, as the awareness <laughs> of what this is, the, the kind of thing actually we're doing this already. We're just not doing it in a deliberate or sophisticated right, way. So yeah. I think it's more of a. Yeah. Uh, an, an awareness issue, as much as a, a you know a need for it to be sold to them, really. Okay, so why don't we move on more into the area of new techniques or tools and stuff you've seen that happening in 2013 that is worth talking about? Have we discovered a new diagram? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Uh, the, the knowledge nugget chart. I think Studio are doing that every single <laughs> week. Spiral, but, uh, tree spiral. Um, I mean, from my perspective, I just think that last year was the year of three particular techniques, maybe coming from 2012 as well, but uh, slope graphs. I mean, everyone who reads my site will know I love slope graphs, so I don't need to preach about them today, but um, slope graphs connected scatter plots which were you know, very much around at the end of 2012 as well, but they seem to, once again, get some, uh, some foothold in the, in the techniques. That's all Alberto It's all Alberto's fault, fault, we should yeah. mention. And yeah, Hannah Fairfield before Alberto's that. But, yeah. uh, and Sankey's, you know, the, 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 the old favourite Sankey diagram, I think, once again, that was seen as a, as a technique. And, you know, what all these do, what's common to all these, is they all tell multiple stories, whether it's composition and flow of Sankey's or whether it's rank absolute and the kind of connected time stories of slow graphs. So the, the, these seem to be penetrating. And, it, and it's interesting you mentioned in your piece, Robert, about the, um, the scatter plot in the, the Oregon newspaper. Uh, I, I've seen you know, some, on social media people talking about trying to convince their editors of the merits of using a scatter plot in a, in a, journalist, or, uh, in a newspaper context. And you know, maybe there's a bit more courage out there of going beyond the, the tried and tested methods, and that can only be a good thing. Robert, from your yeah. Well, and also I guess things, yeah. So so things that aren't that you can't easily label, like uh, Moritz did that B chart with the <laughs> the the uh, um, hexagonal <laughs> things that was some sort of combination bar chart and glyphs and so I don't think there is an easy label for that. And the New York Times did one on uh, where they looked at movies and and movie trailers to see where in the movie different pieces from the, for the trailer came from and if they were in the same order or if, if the order had been reversed. Yeah, that was excellent. And that was some sort of waterfall line <laughs> chart, if you will, but it wasn't really, there wasn't a clear Ganty, label for that. So I think there's lots of bit more experimentation. Double timeline scatter connection thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's good to see that because it's a bit more experimentation and a bit more freeform kind of work that's, that doesn't just, you know, let's just take the bar chart or the scatter plot or you know one of those things from our mm. shelves and just use them but but think about what we want to do and come up with new ideas so i really like that so i have a question for you guys how much of the design space do you think there is still out there to discover this is something <laughs> i mean visualization 
It's all been done. It's game over. It's um, all been done, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't, it's all been discovered. End I, of I science, suppose discovery could be two things. I mean, discovery is is brand new techniques, of course, and experimentation. But a lot of it is actually just going down the ages and actually seeing methods that were used in the 1800s <laughs> just been off the radar for all these years. And you know, <laughs> I guess there's a certain point of it which is not reinventing the wheel, just popularizing methods that are perhaps quite niche. But yeah, I'm sure there's a long way to go. There's so many visual variables to play with. I'm sure, you know, if we can get more of these B hexagonal charts going, then that'll be in the next version of Excel, probably. Yeah. When we run out of stuff, we just go into 3D and do everything <laughs> yeah. over again. But yeah. more and then it integrates with smell, sensory stuff, and yeah. And sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what would you say from your perspective? But I think there's also Sorry, I was a lot just, of... I was, I was just going to no, say go from... Enrico's perspective from academia, does he see anything that's kind of working its way through that machine and coming out the other end at all? In terms of new techniques? Mm. Not really. I don't know. Robert, have you seen anything special? So I was going to say there's... I don't think we're going to see anything totally new in the sense that it's you know it's something you've never seen anywhere you know anything like that before but what we will see i think a lot more now are reasonably subtle yeah, or new combinations like, you know, right like like the, uh, the or something track. like sketchy rendering right. you know like the, what jason dykes did or you know like that. which yeah. can be applied to any type of diagram it's a new perspective on on how to draw things and I think there you know, was maybe we're moving a yeah, bit so more I meta there's now. a lot of yeah. work that we can do there but it's just not you know if you have like the, the typical chart types, I don't think we're going to have a new one to add to that anytime soon. But uh, but I think there will be lots of things where because you change a few small, reasonably small things, or, or if you look at just kind of the encodings, they're not that big a deal, but they make for a very different type of display that gives you very different information suddenly. So I think that's what we're going to see more, and people will understand more that that's actually important to explore those little subtle things and small tweaks. Actually, I, I just... I think, I think there was, a, the, there was the a nice map. paper last year at Eurovis from the group of Jack Van Wyk. His, how was it called? Uh, small multiples, large singles. That that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that a good great. example yeah. of. There's also <coughs> yeah. interaction, of course. That's, I think that's, it's a good example changing. of of some new techniques which don't actually introduce any new kind of encoding, but a new way to to let different kind of encoding interact with each other. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. probably that's that's the, the space that is still open for innovation. I suppose the other trends moving on to to maps, um, maybe not trends as such, but certainly mm -hmm. the dominant patterns of, uh, of mapping that I saw last year were, there were two main strands. The first of all, kind of, Pointillistic cartography. So a lot of people were doing projects around, you know, um, the, the, the density what of population. What is pointillistic cartography? I've made, it, I've made it up completely. Uh, actually, no, Alberto made it up, and I've just copied what he made up. But uh, you know, like a, a dot to represent X number of people who dot live maps, who live yeah. there. Um, it's the I mean, it's the Bill Rankin stuff from from years ago. But the there were a number of projects that tried to find new ways to show the, the density of populations rather than using things like. Coropleths and their inherent flaws, but also a, a number of projects that were really, um, really cool around the age of buildings. I don't know why this was just a, if it was just coincidental, but everyone mm -hmm. seemed to get hold of this, 
this data set. I think the data sets were yeah. released. Uh, I think it, it was a data, data right. thing. Yeah. They were great, a great project from Netherlands, Chicago, and, uh, New York, and Portland, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. Isn't that related to pixel-based visualizations? Uh, this is this is an area where I mean it's crazy. So I think pixel-based visualization have have been there for 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 how long now? I think almost twenty years. Mm -hmm. But there are so many few there are so few examples out there using pixels to represent one single data point. I don't know why. It's all going away with retina displays. <laughs> 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 Robert, what, what's your take on that? I think you've been playing a little bit in the past with pixels, right? Well, pixels, yeah. yes, I'm not sure <laughs> no, about pixel-based pixel uh, pixel visualizations. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, the difficulty I have with some of this, in, particularly with maps, is that very often you end up showing kind of the same things because you just end up, especially for the U.S., you have these population centers and, and very little in between. And so you end up with these very cool shapes, but they're always the same. You know, the number of tweets on something, there are going to be a lot more tweets for a little more people. So you end up <laughs> yeah. with kind of a similar structure. Yeah, yeah. There's a very great uh, XKCD comic <laughs> on that that shows like all these different um, things, and they all look the same yeah. because it's, it's all where people it's basically live. some yeah. percentage yeah. of That's the really number of people. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I did like those maps of, of the age of buildings. That made a lot of sense. That wasn't really pixel based, mm -hmm. that was more shapes. Um, there was a very good project at uh, at Viz on the nano cubes that also used, yeah, essentially pixel based or kind of binning that that was roughly like that. We could zoom in and out very quickly, and and it would change the level of detail for the aggregation. So I think aggregation in general is something that's certainly very important, and in particular on top of maps, it's something that people have been doing for a while, but I think there's still work that can be done there in, in terms of how you zoom, how you maybe maybe normalize your data in some right. way that you look at maybe the number of people as a reference or, I don't know, income or, or things like that. So there's certainly more work that could be done there, I think, and, and I hope we're going to see some more of that. Yeah, but I think coming forward. back to that idea of humanizing data, I think that's something that has been... Um, a lot of people have been thinking about like how can we, I mean, visualize aggregations but still respect the individual, mm -hmm. right? And or make clear how the aggregation comes about because I think all of us, at some point, run into that wall that thirty-three point seven. Even if you visualize it, is still very abstract and just showing anecdotes doesn't help you either. And like what's in between? And I think that's. That might be one of the motivations for these dot map techniques to show like the the big picture mm, and the. Mm. I mean, honestly, the, sometimes the, I feel the constituents. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes I feel that all the innovation we had in visualization during the last uh, twenty years or so, compared to standard charts and graphics that we had around for ages, is exactly that: how to scale mm. data visualization to a much larger number of points and to a higher density. <clears throat> There's also um, talking about. Um, Mapping. There were, there were a couple of projects that just uh, just came to my mind there that also used audio. So there was a project by the New York Times that uh, kind of crowdsourced the quiet, the quietest parts of New York City. So you could kind of contribute. <laughs> this is where there's a really quiet park or a little quiet garden, and then it kind of for certain selected areas it played a little audio, you know, little birds tweeting and 
maybe a, a little child's bike running past or something, you know, very kind of quaint noises. But <laughs> it was a really nice way to, once again, as you said, to, to make this, you know, it's not an abstract concept, it's something we can make as real as possible. But also, um, the Washington Post did one about the, um, it was an investigation to the number of shots uh, fired uh, in kind of downtown DC. And it, it created an audio simulation of the, the sound levels at different distances from the origin of these shots. And it was amazing how many shots are fired during the course of a, of a year in DC. But once again, it, it, it gives you such a, a concrete, crystallised way to engage with that, with that subject matter. And, and maybe audio visualisation will be a trend in the, in the coming so year. So audio is going to be the next big thing. Let's, let's hope so. <laughs> in a couple of it years. It will be misused. But what audio can do, I think, <laughs> oh yeah, that's for sure. What audio can do, I think, is is interesting. Is it can give you a sense of time. Yeah. That's what I've seen really be where it was used really well. So there was one. This is a bit older, but the New York Times did this thing about um, the times of of like Olympic um, runs, and it would show you in terms of of, of basically how close together uh, like yeah. the runners were, or, or mm-hmm, skiers, mm-hmm, or I forget yeah. what it actually was. And it would show that by having little oh, beats yeah, that that would true. kind of give you the, the sense of how 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 little time there was between them because you you think about you hear some times, but it's very hard to actually get a sense of what that actually means in terms of how close those those times actually are to each other and they're very very close like within fractions of a second. There's also a slightly older piece that's that's kind of maybe derailing this a bit because we're talking <laughs> about 2013, but there was a, a video that was posted I think two years ago or so on, on YouTube. Where somebody has basically a history of all the the nuclear explosions in oh Europe. yeah 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 and that that's yeah. going back to the first ones in I think it starts with the, the bombs on uh, on Japan but or even the, the nuclear test perhaps it starts with the uh, the first nuclear test in the US but it's very interesting and so of course it's much faster than than real time because it's, it covers seventy years or so of time in like seven minutes or so but it gives you a sense of how much was going on during certain periods and how it was kind of speeding up as they were going towards that deadline for some uh, non-proliferation contracts and then it kind of all quiets down and it's really interesting to see that and also gives you a sense of of scale like you were talking about humanizing the data just how many nuclear mm-hmm. tests were done uh, it's just just breathtaking mm-hmm. how much there is so that that and, and the, the audio is pretty useful for that it shows you where it is but also because you hear the the, the the beeps for every explosion that goes off it's very impressive so i think that actually worked really well i'm not so convinced by audio for other things for actual data but for maybe to to give you mm. a sense of scale mm. it can be really useful yeah, I think me and Moritz tried to invite someone in the area of sonification yeah. for a long while, but we don't have a name. So if you guys have someone... If you have ideas, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. we really don't know who to invite who is uh, competent enough to tell something interesting in sonification. <laughs> but for once, it would make sense that we do a podcast if we had an audio <laughs> <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> that would so- totally make sense. That but, would yeah. finally totally make sense. More so then than the uh, food video. episode, perhaps. <laughs> So, and we'll how about money. tools? Are there any new tools around that have been used in 2013? Anything new? Anything special? Tableau, uh, Robert, give <laughs> oh, yes, <of> course. <laughs> tell us something about Tableau. What happened well, in yeah, 2013 we can talk about Tableau, for Tableau? That, that's for sure there. <laughs> 
Well, so there were there was there are a number of things for, uh, about Tableau. There were there were two releases. There was 8.0, which was in early 2013, and then there was 8.1. And I'm not gonna walk you through the features here, but that's that's certainly been a big thing. But then for next year, or for this year, I should say 2014, um, we have a few things uh, in in that are they will be released um, reasonably soon. Um, that one is one of those features is called story points, and since we've been talking about storytelling, that's something that's interesting, of course, and it's my personal uh, favorite uh, and something I'm involved in. So we're building this this uh, feature where you can build stories right in the in Tableau, right in your visualization tool, and so that that is something that that's going to come out um, in the first half of this year. That's the uh, the uh, official. But I think you already board. demoed. It. This thing, sometime in yeah. Yes, we've had demos, and there is a blog posting on my website, and you can look online at the, the, the Tableau customer conference keynote. Uh, you can watch the video, and you can watch the whole thing there. Uh, and there's also a new video because <laughs> I just—it's uh, also linked from my uh, state of infoviz posting that I just that I did last year that was just published by IEEE Computing Now where I'm talking a bit about storytelling and then I'm demoing the story points cool. feature as well. So there's lots of information out there. But I'm really I'm really looking forward to actually getting it out to users and actually mm. seeing people use it and see what they do with it. Because I was actually surprised by the response we got when we demoed it first at TCC, that's the Tableau Customer Conference uh, in September. Because I didn't know, I didn't think people would really see the point right away, especially business users. I, I just thought that they would think, well, this would be nice for journalists, but what do I get from that? But a lot of people actually came up to me later and thought, said, this is really the, you know, the best feature <laughs> and they're looking forward to it because they all do presentations. Yeah. They all have, you know, they do their analysis, but then they have oh. to present what they've done or what they've found. And so at that point, they all you know take screenshots or export images or export PDFs and then put them into PowerPoint. And of course, you've got PowerPoint, which is great for presentation, but it's not great for analysis. So now, if somebody asks you a question during your presentation, you can't just click mm -hmm. on something and say, "Well, let's try that." Yeah, or look up or, you know, that number. Else. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And so when you're doing this right with Tableau, because you're building a presentation in there, you could use that to present. And then somebody asks you a question, you can just respond to it right away. And so you've got you've got kind of the best of both worlds: have a presentation tool and have the analysis right at your fingertips. So that I think will be really interesting and and something that that I see as just becoming a total standard thing to do for all business intelligence tools going forward. But um, but yeah, it's still very early days of that. But it's just fascinating to see that actually happening. And this has a bit of sh of a shift too because analysis. It's kind of this big thing in visualization, and presentation is just an mm -hmm. afterthought in many cases. Yeah. But it turns out it's actually really important. Yeah, and I, I also realized that more and more people ask for, like, how can we export this graphic? How can I use this in a wider context, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And I think that's, that's going to continue, that mm -hmm. people just realize um, it, it's, it's not an endpoint. You know, it has to be part of a bigger conversation. It needs to be able or possible to, to refine the graphics, to annotate them together, to discuss them, to version them, mm. things like that. Yeah. And obviously the integration with R is quite a, an exciting proposition. So, uh, uh, and on the, on the same point, I guess both of these features, they'll immediately translate to Tableau Public as well as desktop. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm not sure about R, to be honest, because, so R, just to, to quickly explain this to people who might not be familiar, this is a statistical 
package or a language for doing statistical analysis. And what Tableau can now do, which is already released, this is in Tableau 8.1, you can now um, do table calcs, table calculations that, that that basically send the data and some some R expression to to R, have that do the work, do a model for you, or do some clustering, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, and then it sends the data back, and then you can use that to to change the colors in your visualizations to filter whatever you want to do, and. That that certainly has been used quite a bit already by lots of people who are very excited about that. I'm not an R user, <laughs> so I can't really uh, say much about it. But um, it's certainly been mm. uh, a big deal, uh, and uh, I'm not sure that I don't think that that necessarily works on Tableau Public. Mm. I don't know actually, but story points certainly do, and story points also are meant to be not just obviously used in the desktop, but also on Tableau Server, which is sure. what yeah. you see on Tableau Public. So you will be able to author your story, and people will see this navigator at the top, and you will be able to click through, and 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 basically mm. read the story like you would on like on the New York Times website. So, yeah, absolutely. So that that's very much one of our goals is to make that work as well as possible. Yeah, that's great perspectives. I, I was also really happy to see a bit on the let's say not so data heavy front that there were more tools also emerging. For instance, like RAW, have you mm -hmm. seen RAW uh, coming out of Density uh, Design Lab? And it's it's a really neat little browser-based tool, and you can just paste in a spreadsheet and have a few really interesting chart types. Uh, very playful. It also borrows a bit, I think, from, from Tableau in the sense that you can drag your variables mm -hmm. around into different slots. And... Um, so it's it's for instance fills that gap like tree visualization. I never had a good way of giving a novice, mm -hmm. you know, some way of visualizing a hierarchy. There was simply no tool like when I was teaching, let's say, design students. Yeah, there was no simple tool to quickly make a, a dendrogram tree or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And and this this tool and hopefully more to come really nicely fill that gap. And raw is open source too, so you can write a plugin if you have a new chart type you want to support. You can basically write. A renderer for that, mm. and it's part of the tool, uh, or at least your your instance of that tool. It's, uh, I think there's right. two interesting points there. I think um, first of the once again the people I engage with on training workshops, for example, there's a, an enormous appetite to have some sense of a catalog of this tool will do these chart types. Very rudimentary, but <laughs> you know some yeah, sense yeah. of a gallery of what these what the different tools will give you, and whether those solutions are good solutions, you know, that that's what the tool is built to do, or if there are kind of hacks and workarounds, kind of halfway solutions, you know, that, that that's a real big gap, and it's I know it's something I'm just working on in the background slowly on something around that, but uh, <laughs> but it, it is it is a you know a, a big a, a big um, it would be a great solution if, if there was something that kind of did that out there, but also just in general around tools, um, I think we're still in a very fragmented space. I, I mean. My uh, another cheap plug. My resources collection on the, on the website. There's 160 or so there, and I've got a to-do list, a bookmark of about another 60 to add. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> extremely yeah, yeah. intimidating. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. an enormous prospect for people to think, well, how on earth do I pick one to learn? Uh, right. you know, what, where do I invest my time? Are my resources into these tools? And 
But you know, you I know, think honestly, if you're serious about it, you yeah. still need to learn to code. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's still like that in 2014, and it will still stay like that into 2015. <laughs> you know, if you're really serious about making the yeah. very best chart for a certain purpose, you need to mm -hmm. learn coding. Control. Will always give you some some edge, I think. I don't know. But I guess tools like RAW but, are trying to create that surface above that hard coding yeah. to say, here's a few charts that we can give you to to take away the, the learning curve of the hard code side of it but yeah it's whether we'll see continue fragmentation or a bit more convergence i mean you know, i guess uh, an example there is robert's outlined story points and are kind of been integrated into tableau maybe starts the, the yeah. journey backwards towards a, a single tool it does does a lot more fantastically well i mean it would be lovely if all the tools would for instance support svg in a really nice way looking at tableau as well <laughs> and <laughs> Because I, I really, uh, I appreciate so much these workflows where you first start by hand, laying out something roughly, then you code your, your dynamic graphics into that. And in the end, you do some tweaking by hand and just make it all, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, easily digestible yeah, with annotations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these, these um, hybrid workflows, it's still a pain. I mean... I, we, I could do a whole hour of ranting about what doesn't work in that area. Episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, we're, we're talking about 2013. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah. I think D3 has been growing throughout 2013. Absolutely. Still, still going strong. Still going still strong. strong. Is, is even more established now than one year ago. And I think it's not going to slow down, right? I think it's also the community no, around it. but I think I'm also... Sorry, Go ahead. No, it's it. I think it's also the community around it. It's the, it's this, uh, the websites that discuss it, the tutorials, the books. This is now kind of caught up. If you take our processing, these have been around for a, you know, a good while now, and they've got so much web resource out there. Whereas, you know, for the first 18 months of D3's existence, it was, you know, it was very specialist. But now you've got more, more and more people kind of creating this kind of, the, the, the pyramid, which will help it thrive and, and survive. Yeah. yeah, but I, I would like I would actually like to see a bit more competition. So I think we are actually running into a situation where D three is the go to solution, and actually it's I know for some people it's quite hard to wrap their head around that mental model that's behind it, and um, and I, I mean I think competition is always good. So my my hope for twenty fourteen <laughs> is some sort of black horse JavaScript <laughs> framework out of the dark, you know, I don't having know, but a totally you know, different I, mental model behind I mean, it just to keep things fresh. I yeah. think, uh, Moritz, to some degree, I think I, I disagree because one, I mean, connected to the things that Andy was saying that we have a super fragmented kind of scenario out there. I think having a few tools, a few very well established tools, is a very good thing for our community. And sure, I, I see your point. I think having having competi competitors and competition is really good. Having new tools coming up is good as well for innovation. But I'm wondering if we have had too much innovation lately and now it's time to converge <laughs> on a few very good tools. And yeah, this is what yeah, seems yeah. to happen. I think D3, Tableau, and maybe even R, I think there's nothing that can compare with these three tools, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think these are the main... I don't know, mm -hmm. the yeah, tip of the iceberg, say. right? Well, and there is a certain 
it's not just a question of of getting more things, but getting filling voids yeah. and filling gaps. So one thing for D3, for example, could be that that D3 becomes or is already, I guess, kind of the backend for lots yeah, of other things. Yeah, you're totally right. There's this thing that Trifecta has built, which is called oh, Vega, yeah. where you can build a kind of a, a JSON JavaScript description that isn't code, but that basically tells you what to map. And I believe I was just looking at there's a, there's a visualization project on Kickstarter that was just funded a few weeks ago that I believe is also built on top of D3 and, and raw may, may or may not be, I'm not actually sure. I don't know. But um, so if, if it's about making things usable and not having to program, but making it, you know, a lightweight Mm. web thing, then that could very well be built on top of D3, but, but just do a different thing, not trying to be D3, but different, but be something else that gives you a different, uh, you know, a different use case and makes something easier for people who don't want to program or who, who just can no, program. No. So I think that that's very valuable. But I don't, I don't know if if we need, you know, a hundred different clones of 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 D three like libraries. And they're out there. I mean, there are a whole bunch of libraries for not that many, maybe for SVG, but there are lots of libraries out there for canvas yeah. rendering. And I don't know how they're different. And I'm just not going to look into a hundred different ones. <laughs> it's just too much stuff. <laughs> So having one kind of standard for something is just a good thing. And I think D3 is is setting the best one I know for SVG rendering in the browser. Yeah, but that's exactly the thing. It's very much it's it's an SVG toolkit in a way. Yeah. And and I think that, that yeah, yeah. No, that's, is, that's yeah. great in some sense. And and I, I got to love SVG by now really. In the beginning I wouldn't <laughs> have expected that, but <laughs> um but I think that's also the limitation. We'll see, we'll see. But talking about community, yeah. I think I, I mean for D three for sure it's been true, and I think the the database community has has developed great. It's always been cool, but I think also the last year, uh, it it has really re- greatly developed with a few really really also nice um, new uh, initiatives and lots of meets up uh, meetups mm-hmm. uh, popping up everywhere. Um, so I think yeah, still. Getting more and more and more, but it's still a the, the, the it, it, it's still a super friendly, welcoming community. You know, people I speak to, ones yeah. who are, who are yeah. you know, taking their first steps into this world, are saying, "Well, I've, I've, I'm amazed by how how well I've been welcomed. How you know how supportive people are, how constructive people are with feedback." Uh, I think it, I think it really is, and and obviously it's got a very strong prom, uh, presence on Twitter uh, across you know all the social media outlets. But you know, even just the the, the the conversations and the the insights and the sharing on there is it's very very healthy, and I think it bodes well for the uh, the future of the field. That is true, though. I think the one thing that 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 I've seen being missing are really useful and um, in more more kind of reflective websites, mm. perhaps, or you know, people doing a bit more than just showing stuff. Mm. And so there are these new websites that, that have sprung up over the last year that I think are really interesting for that. I think that was was more. It was probably alluding to is the uh, these uh, at least three of those websites are there's the WTF Viz, <laughs> one's hilarious. There's yeah. Thumbs Up Viz, and then there's uh, Help Me Viz, and they are actually interesting because of the way they kind of came about because the first one was WTF biz, which is that, you know, this this internet slang for things that you're kind of you're like, what the and so this is the a collection of things that are questionable <laughs> and it's and kind of usually come with a little um 
little quip about what might be wrong there. And then in a response to that, uh, a couple of people came together and made it and put together this uh, thumbs up this, which is kind of the opposite. Mm. It's now the positive version of that to me. Talk about things that are good. And then the the third one is perhaps the the most or could be the most useful one in a sense is help me this, which is I've got I've, I've done some work I don't know really where to go. Help me, <laughs> and so that I think is a good idea. And this that only started yeah a December month or so, yeah. so maybe two mm, months ago. They are all fairly fairly recent. Yeah yeah yeah. And uh, and it's interesting to watch that. So I really like that because it's not just about you know somebody posting stuff. Hey, there's a new project here or a new thing there, but but actually using this more as a crit- criticism uh, uh, mm. medium for criticism or uh, or to just actually post things and then see if people actually have some ideas to to help them. Which people in design do, for example, are these websites Dribble, I guess, and and a few others. I don't really know them too well where you can publish your your designs and you say well here's what i have give me some ideas for where to go next yeah, or but dribble is only for here. collective shoulder clapping or showing off like obscure <laughs> okay. yeah, typography, <laughs> typographic skills <laughs> but in principle you're okay. right no no it's it's in different communities it's it happens already and it's super cool that now things like help me with i think it's super fantastic because on the one hand it also states okay no graphics perfect or not oh. everybody's like a hero and but if we like help each other out, we're gonna get a decent chart yeah. out of that. And I think that's the right. But obviously, the key thing, uh, and it's you know for for us, far as well as everybody else, is it's gonna be it'll work if people contribute, not just contribute pieces, but contribute suggestions right. and ideas. And so the, the the framework is there for a fantastic resource and website. It needs now the the kind of footfall to to follow suit and really kind of give it some momentum and, and, and kind of feel the. Feel the the, the 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 attitude that this is a safe place to come. You know, it's you put some work up there, you won't be ripped to pieces. People will help you through, and you know, I look forward to the, maybe you know this time next year. Let's see, let's see where it's got to. Some other thing, like, is it just me, or is actually the crappy stuff getting less? <laughs> like, <laughs> am I just like getting too mild, like over the years? It's the or, aging process. I mean, subjectively, I feel I see less crap. Is that I true? Think it's, well, my personal view, I think I've discussed <laughs> this with Robert in the past, is I think it's still happening. It's just been moved somewhere else. It's been it's herded the into this big, <laughs> big farm of junk. Um, I mean, my, my simple test for this is fewer requests to me on the website to say, we, we think you'd like this terrible graphic for your readership um, about credit card right. fraud or injury lawyers for you or something like that. Um, please share it, sir. Or, and, and they'll yeah. type in <laughs> me, dear sir or madam, or dear webmaster or something like that. Uh, I've seen far fewer of those requests. Uh, and so on a very small uh, kind of non-empirical test, that suggests that there, there are people going, going elsewhere to pu- push these pieces. But I still think there's a huge population a huge appetite out there amongst non-experts amongst non-enthusiasts for eye candy for very colorful simple graphics that on a very superficial 10 second basis they might say oh that's fun i mean maybe people realize not not every graphic can go viral Mm. and there is only so much virality left (laughs) in this world that you can squeeze out of exactly yeah (laughs) maybe but i also i wonder if it's just not really i think what you're right about i think this is still being 
she created a lot of that. And it's actually actually quite funny when I get these emails sometimes to say, Dear Nathan <laughs> Nathan, of course, Nathan, yeah, I was running flowing data. And so it's you know, people would just send out these, the same email to everybody. Yeah, it's just, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but the other thing is that I think they've mostly given up on and then I also have a very strong statement now on my contact page saying, Don't send me infographics, I'm not gonna publish them. So maybe that actually works. But uh, but they certainly there's still a lot of that stuff out there that gets pushed on on mm-hmm. Facebook and and you know just a general social media that that happens a lot I think it's not that that those things aren't generated anymore it's just that that I think they're, they've basically given up on trying to to get me and and Andy and other people to post them um, but but yeah there's uh, but yeah on the other hand it's maybe also be our own filters that we're we're kind of Mm. seeing less of that than necessarily you know that there's less of it but yeah i'm not sure if it's there's no science here that i i can see that would actually tell me that that's really a change or a shift in thinking (laughs) but maybe maybe there is and 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 there's certainly on the other hand though on the flip side of this more certainly there's a lot more good work that's being generated and that's good to see Uh, and that includes infographics that are just good data-based that don't don't just you know Put lots of, of, of clip arts on, on, on a page and then then three numbers and that's it. But pe- maybe people are getting more more <laughs> sensitive to that as well. And and, and yeah, that's my perception. Even the marketing content. stuff is not as crappy anymore. I think you know could that be? I mean, I'm, I like to think positive. Possible, yeah. I like to yeah. think positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shall we shall we hand out some awards? Like what <laughs> <laughs> to each other? Or? Why not? Maybe we should. Yeah. yeah. Andy of the year He's goes crappy. to Andy. Second year like in the truck. <laughs> we should do that, Moritz. <laughs> Best Andy overall. In second place, Andy Kirk. <laughs> uh, should but more seriously, like, were there any like persons or individual studios or teams that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I, I don't think you could argue that the most um, visible work of last year seemed to come from... Uh, Georgia Lupi and the, the team at Accurate Studios. Um, yeah, I mean, they, absolutely. I think. I mean, obviously, the, the frequency of their output is tied into the weekly. Um, is it the Corriere della Sella um, Sunday newspaper, Sunday supplement, or something in, the, on, in uh, Italian newspaper? So they've got a lot of output naturally, and you know they've 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 done some great work. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting new methods. We talked about techniques before, and it seems to be a new technique in their work every every single week, but. You know, some really, some really great stuff. And what always resonates with me is appreciating the constraints in which they're working. They'll get a brief or a subject matter that emerges on a Tuesday, perhaps. They've got to turn this round by Friday, and then it goes into print at the weekend. So it's, <laughs> it's you know, a very, very impressive turnaround. Uh, and yeah, I think for me, they, they yeah, kind of stood out. Yeah, I agree that that's one of the. It's been one of the biggest shooting stars. Yeah, right? shooting stars, absolutely. I, I think what yeah. surprises me of the work from Accurate is that they have been able to do some fairly novel and complex stuff and still be successful, which doesn't mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really surprising to me. Normally you, you can see complex visualizations out there that are a little harder to parse, and maybe they are appreciated by people like us, but they don't have a lot of success. But Accurate are kind of like 
I don't know, find a, found a way to mix the two things together. They have been able to create mm -hmm. fairly complex stuff that is not that easy to parse, but at the same time be super attractive and, and successful. Mm. So that's, that's, that's new to me. And I wonder if part of it is, um, it's almost like a, a weekly puzzle. You know, if you're a regular reader of that newspaper, it's almost like a weekly <laughs> puzzle. You know, what, how do I decode this this week? And, you know, what does it tell me? So yeah, yeah. maybe there's something about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's also it it has although it's digital work also this handmade touch I think that we also you know enjoy so much in in Stephanie Posovec's work or so where you realize somebody was sitting down and actually moving <laughs> these things around by hand somehow you you see that yeah. and it just adds that that nice the craft that sits behind it warm warm quality sure, to sure. the work I think yeah and that's yeah. That helps you really with parsing all that super complex, <laughs> deep information if there's a, a human like holding your hand. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. it's this overall trend that visualization is becoming more human and less machine. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I don't know. absolutely. You can see it many different But Akurat, I'm, I'm, I was also amazed. And let's be honest, a year ago, we didn't have them on the radar at all, right? Yeah. I mean, they were already practicing, but I don't think any one of us would have had them on the radar yet. Yeah, and they get and such also a interesting. Again, it's uh, like Georgia is coming out of um, Paolo Tuccarelli's density design, yeah. like study the program. Farm. So <laughs> the <laughs> <Exactly>. farm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really, um, a few really great designers have have already emerged from that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, best film. There was no best film. Um, best book. Best book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robert, that's yours. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some opinions on that. <laughs> so um, I read, I wrote a rant uh, in in the summer about how a lot of visualization books are kind of lazy because you can just put lots of very nice images in there and you leave through them and they look great. I mean, it's almost impossible to make a, a crappy looking <laughs> visualization book. Uh -huh. And and I read a couple books over the summer and I was I was just kind of really annoyed <laughs> because they were all very similar and they didn't really have enough depth. They didn't really tell you anything new, and they all used the same examples. And so in the, uh, in, in the fall, I think around October or so, a new book came out, and I, I'm going to horribly mispronounce the name, uh, Isabel Mireles. Um, yeah, she wrote a book that's called um, Design for Information. Or, uh, actually, forget the, the exact title right yeah, now. Uh, Design but, for Information, yeah. It's time for information. Okay, so I got it right. <laughs> and uh, she she has a book that that I really liked because it's it's deeper in in a way. So she uses a lot of the same examples that that you've seen before, or that many of us I guess have seen before. But she she digs a lot deeper. She actually explains how things work, how they are mapped, how a tree map works, for example, by actually telling you what the different parts are, or showing you. Uh, variations of like diagrams that that kind of show how different parts of visualization what they actually depict, and so it it gives you a lot more, a lot deeper information about what's actually going on rather than just talking about it. It actually really dives into it, and there are a whole bunch of things that are really explained nicely in in kind of sidebars and um, and and, uh, and and diagrams. And I thought that was really useful, and I hope that this is actually going to be. Uh, uh, a trend going forward where we're going to see more of that happening and we're going to get uh, deeper books that, that are actually more uh, that, that don't just kind of play on the uh, on the fact that they use all these great images but actually are uh, are giving you more more of the background and the depth and uh, uh, and hopefully uh, are going to be uh, 
you know, more helpful for people to actually understand what's going on. Yeah, it's a great so, yes, one. I'm, I'm, I enjoy it to too, absolutely. That. And I think that's the one I will also recommend in courses. You know, like what should I read to get started? Because everything's in there a bit like Gestalt theory, all the layouts, all the data types, all the classical pieces. You know, like it's like a tasting menu <laughs> of what's out there. And then you can go to, um, into one of these topics. But it's it's all somehow mentioned what is what is important to get started. And that's really cool. Yeah. Any other great books? <laughs> I didn't read so many InfoBiz books. I've got about books. <laughs> eight to read. I've got so many things to catch up with, ah, but yeah. there's a lot produced, certainly. I'm still waiting for uh, Tamara Munster's book. I was expecting That's that last true. year, but yeah. uh, it's, it's mm -hmm. yet to yeah. get to land. But, um, yeah. but, but there no, are a few coming up for 2014. So uh, Manuel Lima's new book is finished. It's mm. coming out soon. Um, David McCandless is, is working on a book one says um, and I think a few other interesting ones we'll see books are old media anyways who cares anything else what else happened I think we covered Was that pretty it? much everything should we move on to 2014 then <laughs> and talk about the future? The future. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't Flying know. Flying cars, jetpacks. What do you think, Moritz? I cannot hear you anymore. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll continue without him for now. He's not, he's not that relevant for 2014 anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, the first thing, so, you know, kind of the bookend of the, of the discussion from 2013, which I mentioned was, in some respects, absent of big events. Obviously, this year we've got probably a few more big events. We've got the World Cup in, uh, in football, the Winter Olympics. So maybe that gives us that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, that kind of gravity to kind of surface more work from from uh, certainly enthusiasts and, and different media outlets. Um, I think the thing that excites me about the coming year uh, is certainly conferences, mainly because I will be actually attending some this year, but I'm looking forward to uh, attending Tapestry uh, next month, which is hosted by... Oh, that's uh, coming by up soon, right, Robert? Next month, yeah. Yeah, so Tapestry is uh, at the end of February, February 26th, or 27th, maybe. <laughs> 27th, I think, is the right day. And that's going to be interesting. We're going to have Alberto Cairo there as a keynote speaker. We're going to have um, uh, Fernando Villegas and Martin Wattenberg. Um, and uh, Georgia Lupi will also be speaking. She will have a, a small talk. And we have a few more. So it will be very interesting, I think. And yeah, so that, that I'm very much looking forward to having Andy there as well, <laughs> certainly. Just, um, just uh, watching this time. Uh, yeah, no is it again centered around storytelling? Is it uh, the main thing? Yes, that's the idea. Yeah. So it's very much about story telling stories with data, and we we have some some really good speakers for that. And uh, we are also kind of kind of not really pairing up so much with NICAR, but we're trying to be close to NICAR. So we are in Annapolis, Maryland, and the NICAR conference is in in Baltimore. And the idea is that people can travel, and it's the day before NICAR. 
So the idea is that people can go, can basically just add one day to their travel uh, who are traveling to NICAR and then go to Tapestry. And then we actually have a, a bus service mm. going from, from Tapestry, from Annapolis to Baltimore and take people there. So that it's easy for That's them cool. to travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. conferences are going wild, in my opinion, and, and maybe it's already even a bit too much. I mean, if you would go to all the relevant <laughs> conferences, you could be traveling nonstop, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also too close together, right? There's Visualized, which is in like two weeks or so, and then two weeks later, there's Tapestry, and then another two weeks later, there's probably something else. So there's lots of... Oh, yeah, OpenVizCon. OpenVizCon, Resonate, I.O. is like a month later. Yeah. And so there's lots of things going yeah, on, yeah. yeah. And and but lots of good new interesting ones. I think that's mm. actually good to see that there is now so much interest. Yeah, and I think one of the highlights for 2014 in terms of conferences is, is that this will move to Europe for the first time. It's going to be oh, in yeah. Paris. That's going to be a big thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, we know what it, it's, a, it's a sorry. Now that you are in the we know US. where these conversations are going to go <laughs> yeah, now. When I yeah. am in the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Moritz, are you going this year? I don't know. Uh, Come on, Moritz. Nobody has invited me yet. We I discussed don't know. we discussed that yeah. too many times. <laughs> now, I mean, the keynote is gone now. I don't know. I was sort <laughs> of hoping to be invited for that one. But <laughs> they invited some you unbear to Cairo guy, whoever that is. I'll be a poster is. session for you, Moritz. <laughs> No, I'll I'll definitely try and make it in some form. I mean, yeah. the the excuses are getting less and less. <laughs> yeah, thinner and thinner. Yeah, that's for sure. So <laughs> this this time you really have to go to this. That's for sure. Yeah, and and also Europe is is in the UK this year in Swansea in Wales. So I'll, I'm uh, I'm going to be taking part in that in some in some form. So yeah, it's fantastic to see these events in Europe. I mean, we you know we have you know the regular resonate and see. Um, C conference as well. You know, I, I think that you know, there's, there's still a little bit of a gap in terms of visualization conferences in Europe, which this will plug obviously for for this year. But um, I guess it's always the challenge around Europe is perhaps the fragmentation of, of, of languages. I don't, I don't know what the what the reason for it is, but um, you know, we, we always look over enviously to the US for for the events that take place there. Well, but there are actually a few that that are also a bit more specialized, perhaps like VisB. Uh, if done, if you know that, that's a bioinformatics oh, okay. visualization conference oh, yeah, that's true. spelled V I C B I, mm -hmm. and um, there are a few more uh, well gra graphics conferences like Eurographics. There is there are a few more um, kind of smaller graphics type things. So, so there is, and there's obviously a lot of work being mm -hmm. done in Europe. So a lot of of the the published work is coming out of. Germany, the Netherlands, France, in particular, those three, well, the UK too. So I think those four countries probably are the, the bulk of, of, of this work in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in Europe. But that's, that's certainly, there's a lot of work being done there. And Yeah, but also sure from the design slash artistic side, I think there's a lot of conferences actually in, in Europe, like UK and also continent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Any any and other bold like bold Fier, predictions? Any thing. other bold predictions for 2014? <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I think for me, the my own wish for 2014 is, is something we've touched on already, which is a greater, not necessarily a, a, a greater proportion, but certainly a shift towards more analysis, more insights. We've had you know many years of fantastic 
interactive pieces and people demonstrating new techniques and skills and competencies. Um, I just don't see a lot of conclusions and discoveries being actually communicated, which obviously is at the heart of storytelling. Uh, just a, a little kind of anecdote about this. So <clears throat> I've, um, I've been teaching on the um, on our information visualisation programme at MICA in, in Maryland. Um, and the, the class there do an end of year thesis project, which they develop a visualisation project and then present it. And I was over there in December for the, the, the presentations and they were fantastic. They did some brilliant work. Very, very impressed. And I, they were all interactive. They were all exploratory. <clears throat> and I felt that, you know, th there's, there's an appetite from my perspective to hear that next stage, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, I've used this tool to find these insights to then actually change knowledge to help inform decisions, wh whatever the output is. But I, I do feel there's, there's still a, a gap in that stage of going that little bit further. Here's the insights that actually this visualization has uh, added to the to the subject. So that's your wish. That's my wish. Yeah. <laughs> More findings. More findings. Yeah, I think it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting because if you look at the way academia has been working on visualization, it's more exactly from this side. We've been basically dealing with the problem of how to come up with. Uh, new techniques and systems to do visualization for analysis, right? So if you ask to the average uh, academics who is not maybe that well aware of what is going on in visualization on the web, this person would tell you that visualization is for analysis, not that much for presentation. Mm -hmm. I think this resonates very well with some of the points that Robert raises in the past, even in some of these his pieces. I think you had a piece about storytelling some time ago on computer graphics and applications, and you were exactly saying that, right? So in the, from the academic point of view, visualization is exploratory visualization, right? And uh, so there is some kind of disconnect between the, the, the effect that, that we have seen during the last few years that visualization is mostly used as a presentation tool and how academia has seen visualization as, as researched visualization for a long time. Yeah, and I think that's actually something that, that we're going to see more. So I think that, that is a bit of a trend that has started over the last two years or so also in the academic world that people are now, now actually accepting work that's more about storytelling, Absolutely. more about narrative, presentation, and so on. And, and we're seeing that at the conferences, there was quite a bit of work on that at, at InfoViz, certainly, this last year. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to see more of that at Eurobiz this year and at, at InfoViz this year and then going forward. So there's a lot of that work being done in academia now. And so that, that's, that's good to see. And I think, and it's obviously already out there. I mean, there are all those people doing work at, at news media and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of that work already being done. But kind of academia is kind of lagging behind here a bit but that that's something that's absolutely happening and i think that is we're going to see a lot more yeah. of that going forward mm -hmm. um and i think that that plus the other thing that i i would like to see more of though on the other side on on the web is is more reflection and more and maybe this is already happening maybe i'm, I'm just not giving people enough credit but <laughs> like these websites we talked about the new ones are are going in that direction and, and maybe there's also mm. a bit more of that i think there will uh, be that, more that, of everything <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a pretty safe bet no but i think honestly what i what i really hope to see more that is connected to that is a 
better description of the process rather than just the final product. And that's the reason mm. why, Moritz, I really, yeah, really like sure. your B's piece because it's... The it's, case study. Yeah, thing. the yeah, case yeah, study. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Having more case studies, showing we to people to yeah. what it takes to come to this final product and how many intermediary painful steps there can be in between. Mm. Well, that's super, super important, especially for people who are learning. I mean... Understanding what it takes oh, yeah. to come yeah. to this final piece of work. It's a lot of work and a very complicated thought process. So exposing people to what is this process is going to be very beneficial, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. 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 One last area I think that's going to be really interesting and that we all don't have properly on the radar yet is like what happens with the Internet of Things, what happens when we move away from the screen. And I think a lot of like future visualizations will also deal with ambient awareness and monitoring yeah. and you know and that's absolutely I think that's very interesting to think about because it's exactly not findings driven or it's also not storytelling driven, <laughs> which I also <laughs> yeah, love. Yeah. No, but it's a, that's why I also said more of everything. But I think this field is gonna grow as well. Like just be aware of all that stuff that happens around you, like all your devices, your home, your friends, mm. <laughs> the internet and so on, you know? Everything has an IP address and <laughs> yeah, and color change. And the wearability of devices will, will be the yeah. big technology development so that will be a natural home for these things yeah and i think yeah. last year we had at least a couple of episodes on that right moritz we had one on on physical visualizations mm -hmm. right data sculptures, data sculptures and, yeah. and we had one with uh, petra eisenberg on uh, going beyond the desktop and we also yeah. had dominicus bauer on uh, on mobile Visualization mm -hmm. on mobile mm -hmm. devices. So, so that's definitely happening, and you are right. Probably we will see more of this stuff in 2014. That's really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's, it's spreading in all areas, <laughs> I think that's, that's for sure. <laughs> um, wow. wow, getting all excited again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Let's go back to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, should we wrap it up here? Do you guys want to add Good anything? Overview. Nothing for me. That's Let's fun. just see what happens. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> I think we can say that visualization is still growing, going very well. Lots of new stuff coming up. It's still exciting to be here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the main thing. <laughs> I'm not tired sure. yet. Yeah. I like it. Oh, I, I'm tired. <laughs> There's no question about that. <laughs> tired of it. <laughs> tired but can't yeah, stop. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well. That's great. I, I'm really looking forward. And if you think about, like, at the beginning, we all were like, yeah, 2013 was sort of slow. And now, you know, that now that you think back, so much has happened again. And again, the field has reinvented itself. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what's, yeah, what's, what's next in play. But still, <laughs> I have the overall impression that it's getting more solid as well. So that, that's a good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Good. And another year of data stories. I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> so please don't forget yeah. if you want to send comments, feedback, or questions. Do letters. It. Do letters it. in the post. <laughs> you can suggest new new episodes or ideas or whatever. I mean, just write and we'll we'll yeah we'll try to connect in some way <laughs> or another. <laughs> so Moritz you want to what, I don't even remember what's the email address can you repeat it <laughs> oh it's info or is it mail at us? <laughs> either of at datastory.es <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably both will arrive so yeah exactly yeah. 
or, or shoot us a note or just on use Twitter. Twitter right? or, uh, you'll, you'll find Facebook, a Facebook, Twitter, sure. Google Plus, Facebook, Facebook, anything. Yeah, anything. Okay, you can call us if you want. We should put ourselves. No, nah, don't call me. <laughs> just sound the horn. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Thanks, Andy. Thank Thanks, you. Robert. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure as usual. Thanks for having yeah. me. See you latest in 2015 for the 2014 course, yeah. wrap up then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wish you all the best for 2014. Thank you, Rod. Okay, doke. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. bye, -bye.